despising the shame. And today he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Amen. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Today, there's a lot of folks that are cumbered by the weight of sin, the weight of this world. And the writer here said, let us lay those things aside. Amen. That we're not separated from our Father any longer, Amen. but that we have access to His throne willingly, peaceably. Amen. We can approach His throne with no shame in our hearts, which is important because if there are weights in our lives, we can't approach His throne because there's sin in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this beautiful day and just the opportunity that we have to be in your house today. Thank you, Lord, every time we get to hear your word. And God, it's just so rich and so real and so necessary and needed in our lives. God, we just ask, Lord, that what is said and what is done here today would be as always, God, to glorify and honor your great name. And Lord, that it would just be a, a blessing to everybody that's here that hears it. God, that it would help us, Lord, to draw closer to you and do things that are pleasing to you, Lord. And ultimately, God, that we could say at the end of this life that we've finished our course, we've finished our race, and because we've been faithful to you and to your word, that we'll rule and reign with you for all of eternity, never to be separated again and not have to be cumbered by the weights of this world any longer, nor the weight of what is to come for those that don't serve you. God, we ask that you would just search the reins of the hearts today, God, of every individual. You know all of us in here, Lord. God, sometimes we, we put on different masks because we don't want people to see who we truly are, what we're truly going through. But God, you see through all of that. And today I pray that this word would not be hindered by anything that this world places upon us, Lord. But I pray that it would penetrate and pierce the heart of every single person here today. And Father, that you would receive praise and glory and honor when it's all said and done. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you for it all today in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's children said, Amen. 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 As we always do, can you give him a hand clap of praise while you take your seat? We'll dismiss our children today and their teachers. If you have your Bible, want to go with us to John's Gospel, chapter 12. John's Gospel, chapter 12. I don't know why we tell you that anymore because it's always on the board behind me, but I guess it's still good that you carry your Bible. I know it is. It's good to carry your Bible with you, even though we got it on the board behind us, right? Can't trust us sometimes, amen? <laughs> sometimes I'll give Danny the wrong scripture sometimes, so it's good that you got your Bible with you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is what I read to you here today. And uh, this message, God laid this message on my heart. It's a heavy message, okay? So... Look at your neighbor and say, this might not be, this may be a little painful. This might be a little painful. And it might not be as joyful as you were expecting today, but it will be in the end. Just hang in here with me, okay? It's going to be a little bit painful, maybe. A little heavy. The writer here is speaking to the church, and he is actually just really admonishing the church here. And, and you can just see his heart just a little bit here as he looks at them, and evidently there were some things that they were facing during this time, I think that a lot of us face. Um, there were some folks that had some heaviness of heart, not heaviness because of grief necessarily, not heaviness because of uh, whatever the situation might have been, but heaviness because of things that they had done themselves or allowed to be in their lives, okay? It appears here when you read the passage here that 
that these folks were heavy hearted and they couldn't be who they needed to be with the Lord. They, you know, the Bible says who the Son is set free, you're free indeed. Is that right? Amen. And the Bible says that Jesus came to set the captive free. And so many times I think when you, when you see Christian people, people that have given their hearts to the Lord, I think you see people sometimes that are bound a little bit, right? You come into church services and people that you normally would see that are very joyful or very excited, right, to be in church, they're all of a sudden reserved. Something's different about them that day. You ever seen anybody like that? They just, they're just something not the same, right? They, there's, a, there's a weight that's upon them that does not allow them to worship their creator, their God, right, their Savior the way that they should, right? It's not that we don't want to. It's just that we know there's something in our lives. Is that right? There's something that's pulling us down. There's something that's weighting us down, and we all know what those things are. I think we come to church sometimes, and we're waiting on the preacher to tell us what's a sin, right? And, you know, we're just waiting to hear it, and if we don't hear it, then it's okay. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've all heard enough messages in here, either in, in church services or in small groups or in the Sunday school classrooms or wherever it is that you've been, that we all know what those things are, right? I think if we're honest with ourselves, all of us in here are adults, and all of us in here have been around the church long enough to really know what those things are. And so this is what it appears to be here. He, he, the, the writer here looks out in the congregation of people that he was around during that time. He must have seen a good bit of heaviness that was in their hearts. He could see people that were followers of Christ, but they were followers from a distance. Amen? And, and again, let me explain that. They're following from a distance because they feel like if they get too close to Jesus, that he's going to really see what's in their lives, okay? So they worship from afar. They praise from afar, right? And, and they really weren't engaged like they needed to be engaged. They were encumbered by the weight of this world, okay? So the writer here tells them that because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, now let me explain this to you. This doesn't mean that Mickey Mantle and... Uh, you know, whoever it is that you think is so great that this is the great cloud of witnesses. The great cloud of witnesses that he's talking about here, make no mistake about it, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen? There is no greater cloud of witnesses that can be around you than them three. Amen? And certainly angels that, that he promises in the Word will be around those that fear him, right? So these are heavenly beings, God himself and the angels that he dispatches around us. So he said, because we're surrounded by their presence... He said, let us lay aside these weights that those so easily besets us. Beset means separate. Is that right? Sets us apart from him. He said, look, let's lay these things aside that it does not separate us from him. This is a great cloud of witnesses. This is God himself, right? And he deserves our praise and our worship and our honor, right? That's, that's why we're here today. Look at him and say, that's why I came. Right? It's to worship God and to glorify him, right? to thank Him for what He's done for each one of us. Would you agree with that? That's why we're here. It, re it really is. It's to hear His Word, but it's also just to thank Him and to praise Him. Now, if you're honest with yourself, if you're like me, you would agree it's hard to praise God when you've got things on your heart. Is that right? And you can see it, as I said to you. I've been, I've been preaching for quite some time now, and, and from my perspective, from here looking back, and if you've ever been up here and you've taught looking back or preached looking back, you can tell when you look at people's faces or in their hearts. Some of y'all couldn't be poker players. <laughs> Neither can I. I can just tell you right now, you can read me like a book. Amen. I'm not, I'm not real good at that. I'm not real good at hiding things or putting things off. I think I am, but most people can usually point it out to me long before I ever, long before I ever come to grips with it myself. Right? They know. Okay, so, and I think it's the same way here. I, Many, many times in my lifetime, and no matter where I've been, preaching at different churches or wherever it might have been that I've been asked to preach at, 
You can always look out and see that. You can see that there are people that love God, but there's some things in their lives that are keeping them from being able to truly love Him the way that they should. Amen? Y'all with me? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm with him. So he tells us here, because of this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside these weights, and then he says, to make it clear to us, the sins which so easily besets us. One translation says, ensnares us. Sin ensnares us. When you talk about being ensnared, it means, is that right? When you think about a rabbit trap, anybody ever seen a rabbit trap? You ever set that thing, you thought you set it and you get your hand out of the way quick enough? You know what ensnare means, do you not? It just simply means that it, it, just, it just clamps you and grabs a hold of you and you can't get your hand back out of it without some help. Amen? Somebody's got to come help get that thing off of your hand. So that's what it talks about. Sin will ensnare us. It will entrap us. And its job, when you talk about rabbit traps, to ensnare means to not only hold and subdue, but to snuff the life out of it. Amen? That thing usually snaps so strong that it's going to break the back of that animal, and that animal will not survive. And I want you to know here today that it's the same way with you and I. Sin will break your spiritual back. Amen? And the job of Satan to ensnare us is to take the very life away from you. Amen? He's not there just to tap you or just to hold you. He wants to kill you, right? The Bible tells us that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? Tickle, touch, irritate. No, he said, do what? Devour. So he tells the people here, he said, listen, let us lay aside these weights, these heaviness, these things that are pulling us down, that are holding us back. Jesus is going that way. He says, take up your cross and what? Follow me. So we give our hearts to him and we begin to do what? Follow him. And along the way, we allow these different weights to come into our lives, these sins, and they begin to burden us down. And you know how it is if you've ever had a few pounds on. Amen, somebody? Amen. amen. I ain't the only one that's ever had them on. I still got them, right? I'm reminded every day I look in the mirror. My dad said I was well-rounded. <laughs> I took that as a compliment as a kid. Then I got older and thought he wasn't complimenting me. <laughs> he was trying to tell me I need to lose a little weight. I am well-rounded, Okay. So when we put on additional pounds, what does it do to us? Instead of now running a 4.540 or a 4.240 or a 4.340, you're running a 5.240, right? Why? Because you've added a few pounds. And that stuff weighs something, and your body is not designed to pull that. Let me give you, for instance, those of you that have watched sports today, have you ever in your life, where's Nate at? I don't want to pick on Nate. Good, he ain't here yet. You ever seen so many torn ACLs in your life? Have you? Now, let me explain that to you. As I understand it, I'm not a medical doctor, but they tell me, you know, that your ACL, you can't really strengthen that enough. It doesn't like, it's not like you can make your muscles grow and, and get yourself stronger that you can pick up more weight. Your ACL is your DNA. It is what it is. That thing is designed to carry the weight and, per, and to do what it does for the weight of the person that you're supposed to be. Now, when we eat too much mashed potatoes and fried chicken, we put on more pounds than what we're supposed to. That ACL doesn't put on muscle with you. Amen? It's not like you eat that stuff and, and your body says, okay, ACL, you've got to grow too in order to, to support right, all this weight now that's on there. This is why you see so much. When I was in high school, we didn't see too many torn ACLs. Today, you see it because we're putting more weight on athletes and we're working them to the point we're getting them faster than what they used to be, right? Because of all the things that they do now with modern technology, these athletes are like 300 pounds and can run like four or five 40s. 
When I was in high school, if you weighed 300 pounds, they clocked you with a calendar. <laughs> it took you a while to go 40 yards. You with me? Yeah. It was the way it was. Today, these guys are like loaded Walmart trucks coming at you. They're fast and big. But the only thing that they can't make grow and support is that ACL. It is what it is. It's not designed to carry that kind of weight and to be, able to, to be able to maneuver and turn that quick with that much weight on it. And so it snaps. Is that right? So that's what happens with us, right? We're, we're walking along trying to follow God, and he's saying, follow me, follow me. Well, listen, Jesus ain't no slow guy. He's progressive. He is going, right? You gotta, if he, as, as he passes by, you've got to jump in. And you got to go with him. He's not going to just slow down for you. He has a plan. He's all about the Father's business. Is that right? And those of us that are supposed to be children of God spiritually, we're supposed to be in good spiritual shape to keep up with Jesus. Is that right? So he takes off and we go with him. And for a while, we're right there with him step for step. But along the way, we reach out and grab these different sins, right? Because it tastes good. Right? And, we're going to just, and we start going, and before you know it, we're obese in the things of the world, and Jesus is so far out there that we can't even see him anymore. Is that right? Now we are encumbered by the weight of this world, which is what the writer's talking about. He said, look, you've got to lay those things aside because you're surrounded by such a... Look, look out there. There's Jesus, right? He's right there. Don't lose sight of him. You're surrounded by him, right? Lay these, this weight and this sin to the side, and that, that you could run that race with patience. Meaning you don't have to, you ain't got to struggle to do it. Is that right? It becomes easy because we're step for step with Jesus. Does that make that passage make more sense? So this is where the message is today. Cumbered by the weight, cumbered by the weight, the weight of this world. Uh, to, be, to, to be cumbered means to be tied down, to be weighted down, right? It means to just be hindered to some degree. Hindered. And as I started this whole thing off with, I see a lot of folks that are hindered. Here's the issue with that. When you come to the house of God and we say that we're children of God, we may have given our heart to the Lord. We may have served the Lord for a while. Not saying that you're not. We, all, we could be saved, but you just see people struggling. But yet they continue to come and they continue to carry the banner of a Christian. Is that right? Even though these things are in their lives, they continue to try to march, which from the outside, at, at first, looks to be the right thing to do, right? It, it sounds admirable, right? We have all these weights, these sins in our lives which are corrupting the temple of God, and they're holding me back from accomplishing what God would have me to accomplish, and they're also bringing disregard to, the, to, to Christ himself, right, and disgrace to him. But we keep pressing on for a couple of reasons. One, because we don't want to let go of, sight, let go of Jesus, which we shouldn't. That's the good thing. The negative thing is, is that as we follow Christ and we've got these things in our lives and, we, and people see us following Jesus and we claim to be Christians, right? But we've got these weights, right? What does it really do? What does it do? It hinders our walk, but it hinders the work of the Lord as well. Amen? It just does. So this is what the writer was saying. Let us lay these things aside. And he said, lay these things aside that we're able to run this, run this race with endurance, with patience. Looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, right? The author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end of our faith. Right. And then he goes on to say, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and now who sits at the right hand of the Father. So he reminds them why you're running the race and why it's important to lay aside those weights and sins because you're following Jesus, right. who is the glory of God, amen, who sits at the right hand of the Father. Right. And so we don't want to disgrace him, so we have to make sure that we lay aside these weights. Right. Okay? 
That's why we have to do it. So when you look at a story here found in, in, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 1 through 6, I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to show you a story of a fellow that was following Jesus who became encumbered by the weights of this world. Here's what the Bible says. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There, in verse 2, they made him a supper, speaking of Martha, Mary, Lazarus. The Bible says, And Martha served, and Lazarus was one of them who sat at the table with him. In verse 3, Then took Mary a pound of ointment. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were brother and sister. It took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor or the aroma of this particular ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was, a, what was put therein. This story is spoken of in John's Gospel. And there's no greater story in the Bible for this particular message than this one right here. Judas was a follower of Jesus Christ. Judas started off well. You've heard, heard me preach that before. If you go back and look in Mark's Gospel, he was anointed by Jesus to preach the Gospel. He was given power to cast out demons and to heal all matter of sickness according to the Bible. And all 12 of them went about doing those things. Judas had a love of money. We're real quick to judge old Judas. But that was his vice. But how many of us know that all of us in here have a vice? Or two or three? Or four or five? Amen? We all got some things that hang us up. We've probably all got some baggage. It says here he had the bag with him. Okay? He was a treasurer during that time, and the Bible tells us that he would pull money out of that and keep it to himself. Right? He was taking up money to help the work of the Lord, but he would pull some of that out of himself and use it for himself, which was not a good thing to do. Amen? That was his vice. He had this, this weight that was pulling him and holding him down. And the Bible tells us that when he said, why are we wasting this ointment on Jesus? First of all, that ought to let us all know. Right? That you can't give enough to Jesus, amen? But you could see his vice. And he said, we could, we could be giving this to the poor, but that isn't what he really wanted. He said, you could give it to me. That's what he was saying. And he tells us that in his word here. But he said that he had this bag with him. He, he had some of this stuff with him. He had, he had what he was doing wrong with him at the moment. Now he's following Christ, and he's doing this right, right in front of Jesus. All right? Following Jesus, but carrying the vice. And that's the, that's the crux of this message today. We all are followers of Christ if you've given your heart to him, but we all are carrying some baggage, right? We're carrying one bag, two bags, three bags, four, whatever it may be. And these bags begin to weight us down in time. They'll weight you down. Well, this is where Judas was. Amen? Yes, he was a follower of Christ. If somebody would have asked during that time, is this not one of your disciples? Jesus would have said what? Yes. He was called, handpicked by Jesus to be a disciple. If somebody asked today, is that not, is that person, does Brother Damien don't attend your church? Yes, he does. Right? Does he not claim to be a Christian? Yes, he does. He's a follower of Christ. We could say the same about every one of us in here today. 
And Jesus would say, yeah, yeah, he's a follower, she's a follower. And then somebody's going to say, yeah, but I, uh, I thought they were a follower of yours, Lord, but I saw them do A, right? Or do you know that they got B? Or do you know that C is in their lives, right? Or, you know, I, I, was, I was shocked the other day that I saw this person doing this, but they say they're a follower of Christ. Amen? You with me? This person wants to join your church, but don't you have to be saved to join your church? Well, that's exactly right. That's what we say. Well, how can you let them join your church when they have this in their life? Amen? This person wants to be baptized, but yet they're doing things that are against what the Bible teaches. Well, how can you baptize somebody like that? Right? Those are valid questions, are they not? You with me? People see us as we are. But what they should be seeing is Jesus. See, this is the importance of laying aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us that we could run with patience, run with patience the race that's set before us so that we are in lockstep with Christ so that they can't even tell which one of us is Jesus because they see Jesus in us, amen? We're so close to Jesus that we look like what? One, is that right? And that's the way it's supposed to be because Jesus said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you see us as Christians, who are they supposed to see? Jesus, right? So really, we should be that close to him that people see Jesus in us and not the world. But unfortunately, in the world we live today, people see more of the world in us than they see of Jesus. In fact, we got so much baggage in our lives that when people look up and, and, and they're trying to see what, who you are, Jesus is so far out there that they can't even tell who he is anymore because we've lost sight of him. He's so far ahead of us that all they see is who? Us. And what do they see? We got the jersey on. We're part of the team, but we missed the bus. Amen? Is that right? We're fully dressed. Imagine a football player who's supposed to be playing on Saturday afternoon against another team. He's got the uniform on. He's standing out there waiting on the team to pick him up, but the team left two hours ago. He's still standing out there, and everybody's like, look at that guy. <laughs> he just looks lost. Is that right? Because the rest of the team's gone on. And they're looking around saying, where's the team at? He must be waiting. The team must be coming to get him. They look around, and they don't see the team. All they see is who? Him, dressed in that team's apparel, but they don't see the team, which causes great confusion. Amen, somebody? You with me? That's what's going on in, in, in our lives as Christians sometimes. We've lost sight of Christ, and when people see us, they don't see him. They just see us. And it causes great confusion. There's a lot of weight. And let me ask you a question before I really get into this today. So we, we, we take on these weights and this baggage, right? And for what? We all know that Jesus is getting further and further away from us. You ever felt like that? This weight is holding me back. I know this is wrong because my mama keeps calling me and telling me it's wrong and it doesn't match the Bible. You ever had anybody, your mama do that? Mamas can do those kinds of things. Or my father keeps telling me, you know what you're doing is not right. right. right? You're getting up there and, and, and you're singing or you're getting up there and you're teaching. You're getting up there, whatever, 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 but yet you're doing these things. It's not right. Right? Or the preacher keeps telling me it's not right. Or, you know, what, whoever it is, somebody keeps telling somebody it ain't right, but we keep doing it. Is that right? But the question is, Here's the question. Jesus is getting further and further away. We're still, just, we're still indulging in these things that are, are, are weighting us down. 
All the while, we know we're losing sight of him, and that's driving us nuts, right? Because, again, we, we love Jesus, and we know what we should be doing, and we're trying not to lose sight of him. So what we really are doing is we're, we're taking on enough of the weight of the world that we can still jog a little bit to not lose sight of him. And we feel like if I don't lose sight of him, that hopefully one day I'll lay this stuff aside and I can catch back up to him. If we're honest, that's the way we look at it. I'm just going to do this for a little while and have a little bit of fun. And as long as I can keep Jesus in sight, I can close the gap. Is that right? You ever felt like that? I remember watching an athlete one time. He was an extremely fast runner. And that's what he would do. He would, he would run a race and he would sit back. And he would wait and let people get way ahead of him. And then he would just pour it on. And he would, he would beat them by a good bit at the end. And he would do that not just because not just he was playing around or just because he was being boastful, but he was trying to conserve some energy. And he thought, well, I'll just kind of run a little bit and I'll let them burn themselves out. And then I, I got so much speed that I'll get ahead of them at the end. Now, that sounds really good until you get up against somebody that's about as fast as you are, right? And you didn't know it. And they start taking off and they're running with all their heart and they've prepared for it. Well, when you turn on the gas, you ain't going to get there in time to beat him to the line. All right? Eventually, somebody's going to beat you if you continue to do that. You can't just keep relying on, on, on what you used to do. You always got to try to get better and better every time. Is that right? You can't just sit back on your laurels and, and think, well, it worked the last time, so it'll work this time. Because there's coming a time where it's not going to work. Is that right? Well, it's the same way with Jesus. We can't just run up to him and get close to him and then go, well, this is nice, and then reach back up and start putting baggage on again. And as long as you don't lose sight of him, I'm going to drop the baggage. I'm going to catch back up to him. Mm-hmm. All right? Because eventually, he's not going to be there. Amen? He's not going to be there. And so that's, again, what I want to talk to you about. This is where Judas was. Judas was doing this, and, and, and you got to imagine this was going on in Judas's mind. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that he was who he said he was. He had seen Jesus do marvelous things. There was no doubt in Judas' mind, I don't have any doubt, that he knew who Jesus was. You couldn't be around Jesus and not not know that, right? They saw some amazing things. Judas started off well. He started running well, started taking on all this baggage. And you got to imagine, at first, when Judas started doing something, started slipping away from God, started carrying some of this old baggage around with him. At first, he probably was kind of beside Jesus, but back just a little bit going, is he going to know anything about this? Is anything going to happen to me? Because he knew the word. Okay, he knew what it meant. He knew the Bible. He knew the Bible said, right, in Old Testament writing, as well as New Testament, that the wages of sin is what? And that God is a judge, a righteous judge, that he will bring to light that which is in darkness. Is that right? The Bible says it this way. Be sure for your sins will do what? Find you out. Now Judas knew that. So he would dabble a little bit of the world and get just not real close to Jesus where he could smell it or see it or sense it. But he wanted to be counted in the group of Jesus followers but still be able to be in the world. Right? He was fence riding as we talk about. As Pastor Ron said, ain't no fence. He's on one side or the other one. But that's what he would do. And he'd do that, you got to imagine at first he was doing that going, imagine Jared being Jesus and he just kind of, I'm just going to get right here. John, you put your, hood, your, your head on his bosom and I'm not going to do that yet because he might smell this stuff that I'm doing in the world. So he just kind of got right here and if Jesus didn't say that to him, he thought, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. 
Right? You ever come to church and you've done something you know you shouldn't have done the day before or over the weekend? Or during the week and you come in the house of God waiting on the lightning bolt to split the roof open and kill you right where you stood? Right? Because you knew you did something wrong against God's word and nothing happened. And folks came up to you and said, Brother Ron, how you doing today? It's so good to see you today. And hugged you and treated you just the same as they always have. Even called you brother still. So you went, Phew. he didn't know it either. Is that right? So they still called me Brother Ron. And they even said, y'all were dismissing class. Y'all go back there to Brother Mark's class. He's teaching today. And they said, well, they didn't know it. They're going to let me teach. So everything went the same as it did before I had sin in my life. So it must be okay. We start saying to ourselves, it must be okay because nothing bad happened to me yet. Right? Is that right? <laughs> yet. Everybody say this with me. Thank God, Thank God. For, for mercy. mercy. Amen. 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 Thank God for the cross because if Jesus had not died on the cross, God would still be opening up the world and swallowing people up. God would still be sending plagues upon people and killing them. He would be sending nations against, other, against us and killing us and wiping us all out. Right? That's what he did before the cross. The cross is the only reason why he doesn't do that anymore. I've had somebody ask me, and in fact, my dad asked me that. He said, Mark, he said, my goodness. He said, I was reading over there, and he well, I forget where he was at, but he said, my goodness. He said, God was ruthless. He said, don't kill, but man, he's wiping them out. He was confused by that. I said, yeah, he, he told us we, we don't have the right to do that. He's the only one that gives life and takes it. But I said, do you know why he did it, Dad? He said, no, we should tell me. I said, then people were sinning. And they were doing wrong, and God told him, if you do that, I'm going to do this. So he has to do it because he cannot tell a lie. He cannot stand sin. His reaction to sin is, stop it. Amen? God's reaction to sin is to remove it. See, he can't coexist with sin like we do. We coexist with sin. Right? But he can't do that. He is righteous and holy, so it's oil and water. You with me? It, he can't coexist with it. We as humans try to mix the two. We mix the two together and try to coexist with it. I'm going to love you, Jesus, and I'm going to stay as close to you as I can. I understand I can't get right up on you. I can't sit in your lap. I can't, I can't be that close to you because i got sin in my life. But I'm just going to stay. I just want to be in your presence because I know that where your presence is, your blessings are. Come on, somebody. If we're honest, that's what we're trying to do as people. We just want to be around Jesus enough that his blessings still flow in us, but we don't want to be too close to him that his power purifies us. You with me? Because the closer you get to Jesus and that which is pure, it will burn up the sin that's in your life. Did you know that that's why they could not go beyond the veil in the Old Testament? Because the glory of God is so great and the sins of man is so great that when we produce or present ourselves before God, it would destroy us and consume us because his righteousness will not stand with unrighteousness. It will consume it, and that's just the way it is. But because of the cross, y'all remember the veil in the temple was torn in two, which allowed us to do what? Boldly approach the throne of God. We can now do that because the blood of the lamb has been sprinkled on the altar, which is the only thing that keeps God from just ending our lives. Thank God for mercy. Amen. Amen. But that's what we do. We'll, 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 test, we'll test God, right? And we'll, we'll push him as far as we can to see how far we can go before something bad happens to us. That's the, that's the weight that the writer of Hebrew was talking about. 
He said, let's stop doing those. Let's lay those weights. He didn't say, he said, wait, lay them aside, right? That it doesn't separate us from God. You've heard me say before, I'm going to give you the definition of hell. There's a lot of ways to define it. The best way to define it, I agree with Pastor Ron. Me and him have the same thought on that. It's separation from God. That's what hell is. Separation from God. To not have love in your life. To not know love at all. Period. Amen? So the writer said, man, we better get this straight before it separates us from God himself. Everybody with me? Look at your neighbor and say, I told you it's going to be heavy. We've got to get these, this baggage out of our lives. Do you know that that's what's hindering the church from being the powerful church that the Bible speaks of in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts, it tells us in the latter days that he was going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh and that our sons and our daughters would prophesy. We would begin to see amazing things happening. We would see things that we'd never seen before. He tells us, in fact, that we're going to see greater things than that that former church, okay, the former meaning anything written here and anything since then, you name anything that you think it's great and we'll see greater, the Bible says. And everybody walks around saying, well, that must not be true. I told you all that Bible's a lie because I ain't seen greater things. And the reason we ain't seeing greater things is because we got baggage. Amen? The church is what's going to bring about the greater things. We are. The church worldwide. And the rest of the world is waiting on the greater things and they hadn't seen it because we got baggage. God's not going to pour His Spirit out upon that which is sinful. Are y'all with me? We got to get our lives cleaned up and not just for one day, not just for Sunday and then go back Monday. We got to get our lives cleaned up and live a purified, sanctified life before God. Amen? Amen? Sanctified means clean and holy and pure and righteous. Now, I know what you're thinking, Pastor. None of us in here are perfect. You're right, and I'm not either. And I'm not telling you that we should live, we should try to do something that's not possible. It's possible to live a righteous life with God, amen? It's possible to live a righteous life with Christ. Yes, you're going to be tempted. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. But a pure and unadulterated heart is what he's after, right? You might slip, but the difference between sins of omission and sins of commission are simply this. If you, are, if you are committing that sin knowingly in your mind that you wanted to do it, knowing what you're doing, I mean, come on now, right? But there are also sins of omission where I didn't wake up in the morning saying, well, I'm going to go sin. I'm going to get up and I can't wait to drink that tequila. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go out and I'm going to call my girlfriend and me and her is going to have a little rendezvous. See, yes, premeditated. That's sins of commission. But sins of omission means you got up there was a temptation. You had a weak moment. You did it. You felt conviction and you asked for forgiveness. Now you've got to suffer the consequences from it. You with me? There's a difference. There's a difference. We're not perfect, but we can live a perfect life with God and with Christ. And that's what he needs because the church will never accomplish what it has to accomplish as long as we're carrying around baggage. I heard old preachers say years ago, and I used to think to myself, what a terrible thing to say. But it's true. They would say this, the church has become so distorted and so filled with the world that we can't tell the church from the world anymore. Is that true? The church meaning people that are supposed to be saved Christians. Right? People look at us now and they don't know. You can't tell if that's a church or a social club. Come on, everybody. Is that right? 
It's got to the point that we don't even know if it's a church or a social club. In fact, you'll see some churches now that are actually partaking in alcohol in their services. Right? There are some churches that there is such sin going on that, man, the worship director is sleeping with the pastor, and the pastor is sleeping with the treasurer, and the treasurer is sleeping with the youth director. Right? There's so much stuff going on, and it becomes, it becomes cultish more than Jesus. Amen. Amen? The church, right? We got people... Boy, I'm gonna, now listen, y'all, I love y'all, but I'm going to tell you what God put in my heart, okay? Is that all right? You, we cannot... We, listen to me. We, we cannot be... We cannot be... Oh, goodness. We cannot be living together, sleeping together, and, and then saying that we're children of God. Listen, the Bible says that we are to marry. Leave your father and your husband and get married. That's what you've got to do. Right? Because when we try to do it outside of God's plan, it's wrong. He said the bed is undefiled in marriage, but outside of it, it's not. Right? We, we, can't, we, can't, we can't be in church on Sunday and teach a class and then go to, the, go to the club on the weekend and party and drink and do all those things and get up there and teach while the wine smells still on your, on your tongue. Y'all with me? You see what I'm saying? I mean, there's so much. We can't, we can't be stealing from our jobs, right, and taking things from our jobs and, 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 and embezzling money and still come to the house of God and, and pay our taxes on embezzled money. Now, I know what some of y'all thought. Well, you're taking it, preacher. Well, I don't know where it comes from. And God will turn what's bad into good. Amen? But if I knew you were doing it, I wouldn't take it. I can assure you that. But you see what I'm saying? I'm just using some examples. We, we, can't, we can't get up here as ministers, pastors, and ministers and teachers. Listen to me. We can't get up here and preach the gospel to people. See, this is the weight that he's talking about. These weights are hindering us from being with Jesus and walking with Him and in that same joy that He endured the cross for. We're supposed to be joyful people, but you can't do that when there's things in your life that you know is not supposed to be there. That's why we look like the saddest people in the world because we're fighting. There's conviction fighting against the flesh and we're miserable because we know there's stuff in our lives that shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing and we're trying to justify it, right? And so we're fighting, right? We're in a battle. You can tell when somebody is at peace and when somebody's at war, can you not? You can tell. And what we're doing is fighting against ourselves because of stuff that's in our lives. But ministers, teachers, pastors, listen to me. We can't preach the gospel and tell people to live a certain way when we're not going to live it ourselves. Is that right? We can't get up here and tell you that same-sex marriage is wrong, but yet we're indulging it in ourselves. When we have tendencies, right, to look at the same sex and go, well, maybe that's not wrong because this church says it's okay and this denomination says it's okay and the rest of the world says it's okay and I'm going to get up here and preach and tell you it's wrong, but yet I'm going to leave here. and I'm not going to leave here and do that, right? Amen. I can tell you now. <laughs> but pastors will do that, right? Ministers, there's people in pulpits that are out dating their boyfriend and they're a man themselves or dating their girlfriend and they're a woman themselves but standing in the pulpit and telling you and I that it's wrong. That's the weight. That's the sin that he's talking about. We've got to lay that stuff aside and start following Christ. There's got to be a point in our lives, church, when God is more important than the junk that we're putting in our lives. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? You, right? You see what I'm saying? 
Quit trying to justify what you're doing. If you're feeling conviction, it's wrong. Amen? You're not going to justify it. You got to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what he meant. Walk by faith meaning walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. And then he tells us that, right? That we are, if we are spirit led, we should be, or spirit filled, we should be spirit led. Is that right? Y'all see what I'm saying? People won't preach this stuff anymore, right? Because again, it hurts our feelings if people quit coming, they quit paying their tithes, and it usually causes a big old ruckus in the church. But listen to me, I would rather tell you the truth than allow you to be out there, and then one day you get before God and He says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Is that right? We've got to live right before the Lord. We've got to live right. We, we're, 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 we're cumbered by the weight of this world. I've never seen a time when people are so burdened in this world that I have. People are, there is no joy in the world. You look at people every day. We're going to and fro. I mean, we're running everywhere. We're so busy. And people are never satisfied anymore. Nobody's satisfied with anything. Is that right? We fuss about this, and we fuss about that, and we're cussing about that, and this ain't never right. And oh my gosh, my life is so terrible, right? I live such a terrible life. I don't have what this person has, and I just lost that, and I ain't got enough money to buy macaroni and cheese with, and whatever it might be, right? We just, we're just so miserable that we can't enjoy life. And I find myself doing the same thing. My wife has to remind me, in fact, just here about a week ago, she told me just to shut up. She said, you're just negative all the time. She did, didn't you? We were on the way to the mountains to go have a good time with some family and friends. I'm going to the mountains to get away from work and, and away from all the pressure and stress of life and have a good time with my family and friends, and I'm miserable. I don't know why I was, but I was. And so she had to tell me, she said, I, she said just hush or shut up. Which one did you say? I can't remember. Shut up. She said, you're just negative all the time. And you know what I said? I ain't negative. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but she was right. I didn't tell her then, so I've confessed. Before God and y'all. I was negative, okay? But we're just so miserable, and we're so negative because we just got no joy in our life. We've allowed the world to weight us down. Amen? World meaning sin. We're just allowing it to weight us down. Judas here did the same thing. He just allowed, he took his eyes off of God and the things of the world became more important to him than Jesus himself. I will assure you that there was a day just a few, a few days later from this passage here that Jesus under, or Judas understood how important Jesus was. Amen? And there's coming a day when we're all going to understand how important Jesus was. And if we leave this world, listen to me closely, with the bag in our hand, you will not be in heaven. I can assure you of that. Because the Bible says that there is no sin that shall enter into heaven. Is that what it says, Pastor? That's what it says. So if we've got sin in our lives and it is not confessed to Christ, we're not going to get into heaven. I'm going to say that again. People don't, in the world today, they don't want to hear in religion that there is no way. I'm telling you today that Jesus himself said that. There is not a way into heaven except through him. And if you go through him, you have to be saved by him. And you have to have pure hands. Okay, you can't have sin in your life and get into heaven. He said so. I didn't say that. He said it. So I'm telling you, that's what separates our God from other gods. Other gods, you can live however you want to live and you can still get to heaven. That ain't what he said. He tells us to abstain from the very presence of evil, to get away from it, to stay away from it, 
and to have our hearts pure and holy. And let me tell you what he said. Be thou holy for what? I am holy, Jesus said. <laughs> Golly, y'all. Uh, give me an amen or something. Okay? I want you to hear clearly what the Spirit says today. Be encumbered by additional weight causes shame and low self-esteem. Is that right? When I used to do something that my mom or dad told me not to do, and they called me out on it, what did I do? Is that right? Noel just got a new puppy. Cute as a button. Name is Buck. Buckeye. They call him Buck. She calls him Buck. He's about that big. He's a little morsel. That's all he is. Right? He's a little snack for some other dog. <laughs> but he's cute as a button. And it's amazing to me when she begins to potty train old Buck. I've done this many times. And you go over and look at old Buck, sweet as he is, and you look over in that little puddles in your living room. <laughs> is that right? Now, Buck knows it already that he messed up before you have to say anything. Right? Because you can't find Buck nowhere. <laughs> right? But when you go over there and you finally find Buck, you say, Buck, what did you do? You know what he's going to do with them little old sad eyes? Right? He's hoping you're going to have mercy on him. But he knows what he did. Is that right? He knows what he did. It causes, this extra weight causes shame, right, to be brought upon us. Y'all, when I, before I lost that 40 pounds, I'm still ashamed of the size I am, I'll be honest. But I went back and looked at the picture when I was baptizing a little girl right there in that pool. I'm thankful that it was just her and me and Keith because if she hadn't been small, there's no way we'd all three got in there. <laughs> in fact, I'm convinced that when I baptized her, if Keith hadn't have brought her face up on his side, she'd have smothered my belly. <laughs> I went back and looked at that picture, and my gosh, I mean, I mean, it was like I was nine months pregnant and beyond. I mean, I was well-rounded. And, and I'm telling you, it's shameful, right? That's why people say, when you lose a lot of weight, they say, boy, I bet you feel better, don't you? You say, yes. You feel better in multiple ways, but one of them is you're not ashamed of the size you are anymore. Is that right? Amen. Amen. Right? You lose weight, you ain't, you ain't scared to go out in public and let people see you. But other than that, you just tell your wife, go and get in and get all set out in the car. Right? <laughs> because you're ashamed. You don't want people to see what you look like. Like you got on that Schmedium T-shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Looks like spandex on you. That's a triple X. They asked me at church here when we were buying shirts. They said, what size shirt you want, Pastor? This is for church camp. I said, I need a two-man pup tent. <laughs> right? Shame. It causes shame. Right? Weight causes shame. The weight of sin in this world causes us shame. We're shameful before God. Amen? We're shameful before Christ. We're ashamed to be in front of our brothers and sisters in Christ because we, why? We think people are going to find out. Is that right? And when they do, what does it cause? Great shame. And then we quit coming to church because we've been called out. So being, being encumbered by weight, additional weight causes shame and low self-esteem. It also causes shortness of breath. Amen? If you've got too much weight on you, your breath will be short. I assure you. I told y'all one of the main things that caused me to lose weight was one, I saw myself in that baptismal pool, and number two, when I would bend over and tie my shoes. Me and Jesus are like that. Because I thought I was dying every time. You see, your diaphragm somewhere up in this region. And when your belly pushes against your diaphragm, it now pushes against your lungs. And when it pushes against your lungs, it, it squeezes your lungs in, 
and you got less room for oxygen. Therefore, you feel like you're about to pass out. Is that right? So that's why we get these shoes like this. These are not preacher shoes. These are fat people shoes. See, I can get these on without having to bend over in time. That's why I started getting hey dudes. I was like, hey dude, I need them so I can live. Amen? That's why I got them. I don't know why y'all got them. That's why I got them. I shouldn't say, they're marked fat people shoes. I ain't saying that you wear them, you're fat. I'm saying that's why I got them. Okay? It, extra weight being covered by additional weight causes us to have shortness of breath. Now listen to me. Just like extra weight on our body causes us to have shortness of breath, it also does spiritually. Because Jesus is the breath of life, is he not? God is the breath of life. And if we're putting the weight of the world, the sins of the world on us, what is it doing? Squeezing the life out of us, amen? You don't have room to take in a deep breath of God anymore. You just got enough to keep you surviving, is that right? You got just enough to keep your head from going under the water, and you're just like, I'm reminded of people that are dying. I've been by the bedside of a lot of folks that were dying, unfortunately dying of cancer in their lungs. And that's the awfulest thing that ever you'll ever see anybody do is die suffocating. I've been there with them before, and I felt so sad for them. I felt so, um, I just felt, I just, I, didn't, I couldn't help them. I was helpless. But they were just suffering trying to breathe. See, that cancer had ate their lungs up, and there was no room for the air to get in. This is what I see with Christians today. Amen? You look at people, and they're just struggling to breathe. They're trying to keep... They want to stay close enough to Jesus, but they got so much of the world on them, and they got so much that they feel like there's no way they can get all this off. So they're just satisfied breathing that little bit of air. Well, I still got a little bit of life. I still got a little bit of life. That's no way to live. God said he wanted us to, to grow and prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11, we read it all the time. He said, I know the plans or the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. And what did he say? Plans of good and not of evil to what? Prosper us. <clears throat> we can't prosper when we can't breathe. Right? We're suffering when we don't have to suffer. Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to suffer. That's why he said he came to set the captive free. He's going to take the weight off of you so you can... <sighs> you ever been at the bottom of a pool? You dove in and you weren't thinking and didn't get a big gasp of air? And now you're in the water and you thought that's when you think about it, when your feet hit the nine-foot bottom? You go, uh-oh. I didn't think before I dove in. I just tried to impress that lady with this half gainer. And now I'm just going to die. She's still going to be excited, but not in the same way. So you're down there and you think, oh, and so you push off with all your might. And you're looking up and you're seeing the top of the water and you think you ain't ever going to get there. Ain't that right? And your heart starts to race and you start thinking about funeral arrangements. Right? And, 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 and just all of a sudden you, you, you break through the water and what do you do? Right, you take a great big old deep breath, and ain't that the greatest feeling in the world? But that's the way it is. That's why Jesus wants, that's when he said he set the captive free. We no longer have the pressure of that water squeezing the life out of us. We've now been set free, and you feel that, right, that utopia, and your, and your, and your life is, is revived, right? So when we're encumbered by additional weight, it causes shame, it causes shortness of breath, it causes unnecessary health issues. Is that right? Now, we all know that a chicken leg a day is not going to keep the doctor away if it's fried, right? <clears throat> when we put on additional weight, things start happening such as I had, right? I developed this little, it's a word bigger than mayonnaise, so I can't say it. 
My wife probably knows what it is. I don't know what it is. But all I know is, is my heart would, it felt like it was fluttering, right? And so what my doctor told me was, is your heart is opening and closing, opening, closing, but then when it's supposed to stay open, it's trying to close, and it's not supposed to close. Right? There's some stuff happening there, right? And it's trying to, and it makes you feel weak. It just causes you all kinds of problems, right? So one of the greatest things he said that I could have done was lose weight, <laughs> right? And he said, I, I would encourage you to continue to lose weight. And I'm like, I'm trying, right? I'm trying, right? But it's hard to stop eating. But I'm sure that my overeating and my excessive weight and my stress levels helped cause that problem. I'm sure of it. And that's, probably, that's what happens to a lot of us, right? When we, when, we, when we get to be obese, if you will, or overweight, it causes high blood pressure. It causes diabetes. It causes all kinds of problems when we're supposed to be living longer, but yet we're not going to live longer now because we've allowed ourselves to get out of shape. I mean, round is a shape, but you're out of shape. Okay? And it causes additional health issues. Sin does the same thing to us. When we have an certain, a certain amount of time to live, you can speed up how quick you leave this world. If we don't eat properly, we don't exercise properly, we will, there's a good chance you're not going to live as long as you should have. Is that right? Well, preacher, I'm just going to keep eating this fat back because I'm going to live as long as God wants me to live. <laughs> That's not so, Right? You and I can speed up the process. God has a plan for you out there, but you might, if you don't eat right and you don't exercise right, you could die long before you're supposed to. Right? Yo, he has a, he has a time, but we can, we can speed that process up. Yes, you with me? It can happen. And so it's important for us to stay spiritually healthy as well as it is physically healthy. Listen, did you know that people spend millions and hundreds of millions of dollars a year trying to, trying to get healthy physically? But we spend so little time on the spiritual health. We spend, we're, we're, we're willing to spend gazillions of dollars on medical miracles to try to help us lose weight. But let me ask y'all a question. Do you know how to lose weight? Let me ask you. Now, I'm, I, want, I want some money now. I'm about to give y'all, I'm about to drop a bombshell on you. <laughs> now, there are exceptions to the rule because some people, there, there are issues with their body that cause them not to be able to lose weight. But the vast majority of us, do you know how to lose weight the best? Let me explain it. I want y'all to get your cameras out. Y'all ready? I ain't seen no cameras. I want some money for this now. Okay? Ready? If you're left-handed, let me show you what to do. Quit doing this. If you're right-handed, quit doing this. If you're like me, quit doing this. That's it. Is that right? We all know how to lose weight. Quit, quit eating so much. I only go, I only get one serving, one plate. Yes, but it takes the Titanic to carry it. <laughs> that right? If you're like me, you, man, you see me at Thanksgiving, it's like, <laughs> you know, I got my one plate. <laughs> right? Y'all with me? We spend gazillions of dollars trying to get physically fit, but so little on the spiritual man. We need to spend more time on the spiritual man. And here's the great thing about the spiritual. It doesn't cost you to get spiritually fit. In fact, it will save you. Because I'm no longer spending it on Jim Beam. I'm no longer spending it on, I'm going to hate to say it, Brewsters or, or, or Dairy Queen. Right? You're no longer spending it on cocaine and methamphetamines. You're no longer spending it on trying to keep two women satisfied or two men satisfied. You no longer, see what I'm saying? We're no longer spending 
We're now saving that money because we're not messing with that stuff that is ungodly. Ungodly costs you. It costs you financially. It costs you spiritually. Amen? That's the thing we need to focus on the most. Spiritual. Jesus don't charge you anything to help you with your spiritual weight. Amen? None. In fact, he'd say, when you go see him, he'd say, give it to me. He'd just pick it up off of you. A whole lot less painful some of that stuff they do to you today. Is that right? Some of that stuff I see them do today, people are doing stuff now. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting involved in stuff that ain't even been tested because we just want to lose weight. And they're allowing people to do stuff to their bodies that they have no idea what the effects is going to be 10 years from now. But Jesus won't do that. He'll just take it from you. Show me a doctor that ain't taking your wallet. He ain't done nothing for you here. You still, I'm still 300 pounds in front of him, right? Hoping he's going to do something. Jesus will help you. Amen? He'll help you. I'm not saying that we shouldn't worry about our physical health either. We should. So if you're doing something to help your health, that's okay. I shouldn't say it quite like that. You know what I'm saying. Last thing. Be encumbered by additional weight causes. What that causes, when not dealt with, it can eventually cause us to lose our life. Is that right? It can. If I hadn't lost the weight that I lost, I probably wouldn't be here today. And I still got a long way to go. I'd love losing another 10 or 20 pounds. It's not guaranteed that's going to help me, but it sure does feel better that I tried. Amen? Sure does. But I know where I was going if I'd have kept going. That was a sure thing. Something bad was going to happen. Is that right? Eventually, death is imminent. If we just let ourselves, just, we just lose ourselves, and we just get out of control, and we just stop trying to do anything, and we just eat the worst things and quit exercising, just lay around, a person's life expectancy is going to be short. Is that right? Because a body in motion stays in motion, but a body that's not in motion does what? Stays not in motion. Spiritually speaking, if we don't do something and we continue to carry the baggage around and these weights and we continue to add to them, spiritual death is imminent. I will assure you. Amen? Biblically, it tells us it is. It is. So we've got to do something while we have time. Amen? Now's the time to do something about it. We've got to lay aside the weight, as the writer says, that so easily besets us, holds us back, hinders us, and separates us from God, and run that race with patience. You can run better when you're, when you're spiritually fit, right? You can run. You can't do it without it, right? It's not possible. Let me say this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. Pastor scripture most of us know and, and I love you today, and, 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 I, and this message God gave to me, and it was, it was painful for me to read it, to study it, to put it down, because it's my life. And, and he just reminded me, Mark, you, I mean, you've got to get rid of the bags. You've got to quit holding all this stuff. In fact, we don't even need to carry a bag, right? Because Jesus takes care of that. We gave our burdens to him. We gave our cross to him. He carries that. We weren't built to carry that kind of weight. Amen? Spiritually speaking, you and I are not, we're not built to carry that type of weight. Only Jesus is built to carry that. He took all that weight on the cross. Amen. He took all of it. So we just got to walk in that freedom. But listen, listen to what the writer says here in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. And that's me. If my people who are called by my name, followers of Christ, He's not talking to sinners here. He's talking to us, the church. Okay? He said, if my people which are called by my name will first humble themselves. 
we first got to admit to ourselves <laughs> that we got a problem. Yeah, true. We got to admit to ourselves that we got a bag. We got some baggage. Okay? Now, Satan's job is to sit on the other side of your shoulder and say, but if you admit that, people are going to see and going to expose you for the, you know, for the two-faced person you really are. That's not so. It's not so. We've got to humble ourselves and just be true to ourselves. Somebody once said that we are to be true to thine own self, right? We've got to be honest first. And pray, he says. Humble yourselves, pray, and seek my face. Right? That's what we're supposed to do. Humble ourselves, realize we've got a problem, talk to him, seek his face and his answers. Turn from your wicked ways. So we've got to humble, realize we've got a problem, seek God, ask for forgiveness, and then what did he say? Turn. Isn't that what salvation is? That's what salvation is. There's a lot of description of salvation today. Some people believe you get saved just because you're baptized. That's not true. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Baptism is what happens. It's an outward showing of what happened inwardly. Right? It's a physical showing of what happened spiritually. But he said we've got to turn. Do all those things and then don't do that no more. Turn from that. Turn from your wicked ways. Drop the bag. Everybody wants to drop the mic nowadays. Drop the bag. Then he said... You're in a position, right, to hear from God. Listen to what he says. Turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. When we do that, when we get ourselves in a position, when we realize, hey, I can't hide it anymore, i got to be honest and truthful because he already knows it anyway, approach him boldly and with humility and ask for forgiveness, get up from there and turn and don't go back to those things at all. Don't even consider them. And then he said, then I'll hear you and I'll forgive you and I will heal you. Amen. And not just you, but everybody around you, your land. Amen. Everybody that's in our vicinity, God will heal that. <coughs> our families will become stronger. Our children's relationships will be better. All things get better when we are where we're supposed to be with Jesus. That's why he said if we seek him first in his kingdom and his righteousness, that all things will be added unto us. Is that right? <clears throat> That's what he said. So, one last thing. I'm reminded of a story, right? A story that Albert Einstein, Dr. Albert Einstein, Sir Dr. Albert Einstein, he was knighted. <clears throat> he was on a train. And he was on his way from one particular location to the next and the cabin steward was coming around and he was asking everybody for their tickets, proof that they're supposed to be on the train. So he walked by and he got to everybody and he comes up to Dr. Albert Einstein. Now everybody knew Dr. Albert Einstein in that day just like we know him today. That crazy hair, right? A scientist and real intelligent guy. Well known. <clears throat> the cabin steward comes up to him and he says, uh, may I have your ticket, sir? And Albert Einstein reaches in his coat pocket and he can't find his ticket. So he reaches in his front pocket and he can't find his ticket in either one of them. He reaches to his back pockets and he can't find his ticket. He reaches over and grabs his, his, his overcoat, wasn't able to find it there. And uh, he looks up at the little fella, he says, I, I can't find my ticket. He says, give me just a minute, I, I know I had it. And the little fella looks at him, he said, 
He said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. And he said, I'm sure you paid for your ticket. He said, don't, don't worry about it. He said, don't worry about it. So with that little fellow walks off. And he goes to the next guy and the next guy. And he just happens to turn around while he's waiting for this guy to get his ticket. And he looks back and he sees Einstein. And Dr. Einstein is on his knees now and he's underneath his chair. And he's searching frantically. And the guy goes back and he said, Dr. Einstein, he said, Look, hey, get up. And he said, you don't have to do that. He said, I told you, I, I know who you are. He said, you don't, you don't have to worry about it. I know who you are. And Dr. Einstein looked at him and he said, son, I know who I am too. He said, the problem is I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. Today, I want you to know, it's important to know who you are, but it's more important to know where you're going. Amen? Amen. See what I'm saying? You, it's one thing to be on this journey that we call life, riding this ticket called mercy. But at some point in time, somebody's going to ask us for our ticket. And it's important for us to know where we're going. Right? To understand, you know, that my destination is sure. I'm going from this life to the next. Amen? And the ticket we got to make sure we have is Christ. Don't lose your ticket. There's nothing in this world worth you losing your ticket over, losing your life over. Absolutely nothing. Amen? So I want you to bow your head with me here for just a moment, and I want you to give the Holy Spirit just a, a moment. Is that okay? Sometimes in church we feel like when we just sit quiet, that's awkward. But I think sometimes it's good to just be still and listen. For just a second, just listen to him. If he flashes anything in your mind and in your heart that you know is baggage, that you continue to do continuously, that you know is hindering your walk with the Lord, won't you do what Einstein did? And get up, get on your knees, and search. Search for the one that gave you the ticket. He's still there. Jesus is still there. And he'll punch that ticket again for you. But we've got to leave our bags at this altar, truly, and walk away from here with no intent to pick them back up. Otherwise, Jesus just gets further and further away from us. I'm going to pray with you today, and if you're here, and you'd like to come and pray. There's no shame in praying. No shame in seeking God. Amen. He's, he wants to talk to you. That's why he's here. He's here. Heavenly Father. Lord, I just thank you for your word today. To feel your presence there, Lord. Father, I just want to lift up this congregation of wonderful.